So I know I'm not there yet. This episode is evidence of that, at least for me. But I want to get there. I want to be able to have conversations with people like my guest Frank and actually get to the root of it. I want to be able to understand what makes people see the world so differently. I want to understand what makes one person think something like racism and the aftermath of slavery still loom really large in this country and have a really significant impact. Whereas another person thinks it's not much of an issue at all. I I find myself so deeply wanting to understand that now. Um, It's hard though. And and maybe it shouldn't be so hard, but but I find myself trying to walk this line between like curiosity and confrontation. And both are necessary at times, right? If you're going to have conversations like this and try and get to the root of it, You have to be curious. You have to be open. You have to try and truly understand and empathize with the other person's perspective. But sometimes you have to push back, challenge, have confrontation to really see what's underneath somebody's thinking. Um, But I find myself sometimes still hesitant to push too hard. And maybe that's a good thing. At least I tell myself that sometimes because the only way to make progress on problems as big as, you know, ones like racism and things like that is through understanding and not confrontation. That's the problem. We're too quick to confrontation. We don't listen enough. But maybe, maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe conversations like this could be so much more powerful if I didn't hedge so much, if I didn't hesitate. I know this. I appreciate Frank for being on and sharing his views. Um, there's a more complete bio in, in the write-up, but he's a, he's a podcaster, he's a writer, um, he's worked in media and print publication, online publication for a long time, been a content creator. Um, he's the host and editor of a website called Underground USA. Uh, he's been on a bunch of different platforms. He's written for a bunch of different um, media outlets, and he just released a new book called Nullification, The Case for Decentralizing the Federal Government. Um, some people may not agree, with Frank's views. Some people may. Um, I I hope after listening though, if nothing else, there's a little more insight and understanding into his psyche for for myself, for those listening, and even for himself uh, as he he had the conversation. I also hope as I keep doing these shows, I find ways to have difficult conversations like this without shying away from the heart of the matter. Because I do think if the goal actually is to understand, um, it's not just to, to make myself comfortable or to feel good about making a podcast or to just try and get as many listeners as possible. And I think that's what has to happen. Um, but it's a journey, as with most things. So with that, let's get to the conversation with Frank. All right, Frank, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, I want to open this one with the usual question that I always do, but also a little bit of a, of a preface to it as I've been working through these shows more. Um, I thought it good to kind of lay it out up front and just kind of set the table for everybody listening and ourselves. So obviously I want to ask you, what's the value? What's the belief that's most important to you and, and have that conversation about it. And I'll say, you know, given your background and I, I put an intro in, which will introduce some of you as well. Um, I know you have some strong views, some strong opinions as many people do on the show. I just want to say, like, from my perspective, I love these conversations because, as we were saying in the pre-show, I love just trying to understand people, their perspectives. So um, my goal on this is very much that, just to understand, um, to get closer to the truth to the extent we ever can find the truth or, or get to it. So I'll ask a bunch of questions. It's always coming from that perspective. If I think what you're saying makes sense, awesome. If I something's confusing, I'll ask about it. But it's always from that perspective of just trying to understand and, you know, get us all a little bit closer to the truth and hopefully to better outcomes. Um, so I think good just to lay that out because sometimes people think it's more combative or something like that. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there up front, um, but excited to talk to you today. So with all that long-winded intro, let me ask you, Frank, what's the value? What's the belief that's most important to you? Well, it, it centers on freedom mm. and and not just one person's version of freedom. You know, we we are lucky enough to live in a country where we're supposed to have been founded on the idea of individualism and freedom. And that means that you get to be who you want to be and I get to be who I want to be. And we don't attack each other for that. So it it kind of goes back to that old adage that uh, you have the right to throw a punch right up until the point where it touches my nose. Mm. Mm. You you know, so in, in everything we do today, you know, freedom is something that we kind of almost take for granted. Whether we go to the store, we have the freedom of choice. If we want to travel, we have the freedom to travel. Um, but increasingly, we're not having the freedom to express ourselves the way we want to without being castigated. That's why I kind of like I like the premise of your show mm, I appreciate because it. because discussions don't have to be adversarial or combative. As a matter of fact, the more we learn about everybody else, the more we talk to people, 
the more we find out that we've got more in common Very than we than we do in difference. And and when that happens, the people who try to divide us for opportunistic reasons, they they don't achieve their goal. Mm. Well, let me ask you this, Frank, as as that starting off point. Um, and again, in the spirit of trying to understand it, I, I can imagine there could be people listening who who sit maybe on the other side of the political or social spectrum who hear everything you just said and said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Like people should be free to be who they want to be, who they are, shouldn't have to worry about being cascaded or, you know, um, harmed in some way or anything like that. And it sounds like it could be, it's it's the right uh, sales pitch, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, for, for either side of this. Where does the disconnect come from then? Like, why do you think there's some people that look at the way you view the country, the world and see it completely differently? Yet that intro you just gave, I think many people at the same time would agree so much with that. Like, how do you how do you explain that disconnect? How do you reconcile that? How do you think about that? And this is this is just my take on this. I'm sure there's a bunch of different opinions on this, and they're all valid. You know, I've got to talk them through. If as long as they're based in fact and truth, that's that's the that's the necessary thing here. But I I believe that we have a an elevated divide in this country today because for almost two generations now, maybe even three, we have taken away the opportunity for children to learn from their failures. So when you go through an entire generation, an entire youth getting into young adulthood, being told that every single thing you do is excellent, you're fantastic. Nothing you do is wrong. If you fail, it's somebody else's fault. Everybody gets a trophy. When you're raised like that, when the reality of life hits you in the face, you're going to find a lot of things that you don't agree with and therefore you believe aren't correct. It's not exotic. It's not different. It's wrong because you've been told that what you think is always the correct thing to do and think. And, and I think that's really fed into a lot of the, the societal problems we have today and that divide you were talking about, the divide that's, uh, that, that sees us pitted at each other, even though we want the same things for, for ourselves, for our children, for our neighbors, for our families. We, we want to live. We want to do better. We want a, a nice house. We want a good job. We want, we want happiness. We, we want to avoid aggression, that type of thing. But we, now, if you don't agree with somebody, it's almost immediately an attack. And everybody takes it personally because we haven't been allowed to fail as children to learn to find our way to succeed. Because when you, when you have to go through that process, you have to learn to listen. You know, you're not always right. You, 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 you know, you can be wrong. And if you're being brought up with critical thinking skills then you you learn from your mistakes and you better yourself and now you have experience in being able to navigate the world i think there are like i said i think there's two maybe three generations who never had the opportunity to to hone those critical thinking skills because they've never been challenged about it yeah well let's hit that because i think that's a good illustration of some of the nuance in this and the complexity and 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 let's just explore it let's see because I, I i think there's some people that view it and say Let's assume all that's true. And I think a lot of reasonable people would say, yeah, we have shifted as a society, as a country, at least to, to more of that, to try and be more inclusive, more accommodating, more whatever word you want to put on it. There's some people, I think, reasonable people that would say, yes, that's true, but it was done for a good reason. Like, let, let's talk about the reason in which it was done. Maybe, maybe we were too harsh on kids prior. Maybe we didn't allow enough people to be themselves, right? Let, let's explore that and see, right? Like we we created a society where people were being harmed because of the way it was being done. Maybe maybe bullying was too high. Maybe people that were different or considered not the norm were mistreated and, and that was just deemed okay because that was the culture and the society we lived in. So that the response to that was, hey, we need to figure out a way to make this more accommodating, to achieve the exact things you were saying before um, that everybody wants. One of the ways we need to maybe quote unquote fix society and do that is by adjusting some of this. Now, nobody's perfect and, and there's probably some tweaks and fixes we have to make to it. And maybe we ultimately find out that it wasn't the right way to go, but it was perhaps well-intentioned. Do you, I'm, I'm being honest, right? Whatever your honest take mm -hmm. is, do you see it that way? Do you see it as like, yeah, I can understand why they wanted to do that 
or do you see it as like no there's something else behind this or it was always categorically wrong from the onset no there's a there's a large amount of of truth to what you speak you know there's uh we are even our framers and founders knew that in the beginning of our country that's why they have to to form a more perfect union you know in the in the charters of freedom it's we're always striving to be better that's fantastic and we should do that what they didn't foresee are were generations of okay we're going to change the system to to address this ill and we're going to absolve you of any responsibility for your actions you know we, we saw that in in the summer of of 2020 before the elections with with much of the violence that was in the street uh go back two generations to martin luther king jr you know he was saying you have to make your presence known you have to make your voice heard but you have to do it respectfully thoughtfully and peacefully well where did that go you know where did where did judging someone on the content of their character and not their skin color go today i mean and i you know i'm old enough to have to remember dr king and and uh, and the civil rights movement today it's out the window you know, everything is judged on skin color today. And there is a, there's, a, it's everybody and a preferred skin color. That's wrong. You, you, you have to look at somebody and say, hey, if you can do the job, that's fantastic. You know, if you can't, let's find you something else that you can do that you love. You don't just say, well, you know, I want to be an astronaut because I'm in, I'm in a minority position. You have to put me into space. Otherwise, we're going to protest. No, I know that's I know that's an extreme an extreme example. No, but it illustrates the point. Do, do you like so again to to dive into this? Like, what is the take on it? Is it that because I don't think it's unreasonable for for people to think that given our history as a country, right? Mm -hmm. Not that it's the complete history, but it is part of our history with with slavery and then Jim Crow and then you know the civil rights issues, etc. For some people to think that that's that's so ingrained in how we think and function and our institutions, maybe not at the level it was back then. Maybe it has gotten better. Maybe you know all that possibly true, but it is it is in there at such a level that we do need to do something to account for that. Like just following the the status quo isn't going to do it. And and we mentioned Dr. Martin Luther King, which I think is a, mm -hmm. is a great example to illustrate. Right? Like some people they could say, well that approach, it just, it wasn't working. Like it just, we still had issues in the country. There were still problems. Again, I'm not so much asking like, let's debate the specific problems or the issues. It's more like an underlying, trying to find common ground and understanding of do, do, from where you sit, do you think like, yeah, I, I do understand there are still remnants of racism that exist. There are still remnants of our past that we need to account for and address, or is it, and again, not leading the witness here, is it, no, actually, I don't think those are problems anymore. I think we are done and past that. And that's why this approach that we're taking is, is not the right approach. I think it's a little bit more complex than that. Okay. Um, th those people who are who look and say that there's a systemic wrong that's happening are are ignoring what's already been done uh, to affect change. I mean, when you look at what happened during the U.S. Civil War, I mean, we're looking at close to 600,000 people. And then that doesn't count the people who were maimed that went to, you know went to war to start to end that and when you put it in the context of other countries around the world that was a bold move that that was something that was cutting edge there were only a few countries in the in the western world who had abolished slavery and they were still dealing with the the ideological remnants of that which culminated in our civil rights movement but when you you know when you want to take to the street and burn things down because you believe racism is so systemic that it it needs that kind of violent action then you're absent on the world stage and in places like saudi arabia and iran and and in many places in in africa where slavery is still practiced you know i was i was very pleased to see the documentary um the sound of freedom come out I, I went and saw it and i was overly impressed we've got a problem with slavery in this world but it's not rooted in the historical sense of that word you know when i hear people say reparations was was 600,000 people dying not enough it shouldn't be monetary it it should it should be from the heart and i think 
giving life in order to do that is the ultimate price. So in my opinion, when we start talking about race in an activist's vein, a lot of times it's not balanced by where we've where we've already arrived at from where we started. And I, and I don't think that's a fair way to look at it. Is there still, are there still elements of racism in our society? Yes. And because of human nature, there always will be. I mean, there, there just will. That's, there are some people in our society who are going to be like that. And that's, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to change it. But you don't, you know, again, it comes back to that freedom thing. If you want to think that way, go ahead, but I ain't hanging with you. Yeah. You know, and, and if you get a group of people and you want to sit around and complain about something like that, as long as that punch doesn't land on my nose, you've got the freedom to do it, but I don't have to know you. Yeah. And you said the phrase human nature, which is, is I think, right. I think a lot of this, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves that of, of our human nature and our imperfections, frankly, of, mm -hmm. you know, ability to to see things objectively, to to consider other people more than just ourselves. And sometimes people get uncomfortable with that because we want to believe we're better than we are. I think all of us accepting that, hey, we're probably not as good as we think we are. We probably don't care about as others as much as we, we should. Just the acknowledgement of that would probably go a long way. And I think you're right. When we talk about things like racism, slavery, other injustices or issues in the world i think at the root core it is very much a human nature issue i think any human not any human but for all humans on this planet that that drive to power and that wanting to maintain and exploit that power is something that's very inherent in us it's a, it's a spectrum some people have more some people have less but i think that's true so i i agree with that and i think you're right to the point that um when these issues get discussed either side, I think, doesn't account enough for their own shortcomings on, mm -hmm. on, on topic, right? So you're talking about activists on the left who are talking about it. I think often they will too often try and simplify the issue and make it as if there's not any of the things you're saying to consider. And it's probably true vice versa. Let me ask you, though, I guess in the spirit of, of trying to empathize with that, this is something I think about a lot, right? Like if, if you, I could understand, I guess, why some people, let's, let's just say Black people for, for history of this country, just because that's on the topic we're on. And we don't have to stick to race this whole time, obviously, but just the thread we're on, um, who would say, like, I conceptually hear everything you're saying, Frank. And even if I could I could agree with that at that level, there is that that very personal human nature aspect of it. When I see people suffering, people like me, perhaps, or maybe literally people in my family, it's just, it's a very different thing. It's no longer a conceptual thing. So when we talk about slavery, when we talk about racism, it's not that many generations, arguably, if at all, removed, where there's people that have suffered some pretty harsh, um, you know, pains in, in this country because of the color of their skin. And for those people, it's like, it's, it's, I wish I could just say like, yeah, we've 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 already paid the reparations. We've already made a lot of progress and account for that more. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it kind of dismisses maybe that that personal aspect of it of where like, but but people are suffering, people are being harmed. Again, I'm not saying one side is right or wrong or indifferent, but if you try and put yourself in their shoes, is there a is there a like, yeah, I, I can understand that. I could see how perhaps it's very different from the way they're looking at it than the way you're looking at it. Or do you think, again, maybe that's too idealistic of a way or too naive of a way to look at it? I think it's a it's a it's a convoluted way to look at it, and right. I, I don't mean it in a harsh way. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, when the Irish came over, when the Italians came over, when the Germans came over, they were all balkanized in the embarkation ports. Many white people who came over in in the 19th century were brought over in indentured servitude. They had to buy their freedom. Was it in the cargo hold of a ship chained to a bench? No, it was not. But they, they still didn't have freedom. They were owned. They were property. And I don't see those communities affecting the same outrage as the black community. Was it harsher? Again, I'll say yes. I'm not going to deny that. But to say you don't understand, if you're white, you don't understand, is to, again, completely ignore parts of history that are fact-based. Nobody had an easy time coming to the New World, not even the Puritans who came over in the beginning. You know, so did everybody have to overcome things? Yes. Was it a, a solely black movement that brought about the end of slavery and the civil rights movement? No, it was not. 
As a matter of fact, that Civil War was almost all white. They had their black regiments, but most of the people who fought it were white. And a lot of the people, when you go to places like Antietam or, or Gettysburg and you see the memorials there, you see the Irish regiment. You see the German regiment. These were all immigrants who went through the indentured servitude and understood the value of freedom that picked up arms to end this. So again, having the discussion is an awesome discussion to have, and, and we should, because you have to remember the past in order not to make the same sin in the future. But when you come from it that I'm the only one that it's ever happened to, you start from a false spot. And and you have to have the courage to be able to understand that it may not have been whips and chains, but freedom was denied as well. Now you've got a common something to start from, and you don't have that bizarre division that we have when you only see black and white. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does go back to your point before the the human nature point we're saying, where I, mm-hmm. I think I think if anybody. Listen, I think everybody who, who's to say what the exact truth is on, on some of these things when we weren't there and different things like that. So I get mm-hmm. everybody has their own perspective and to some extent it's subjective. But I think it's fair to say that when people start claiming that, like, as you said, those those phrases like if you are white, you can't understand this. I, I can understand why somebody might say that phrase. I'm not saying I agree with it necessarily, but I can understand why somebody might say it. I think there is a bit of a responsibility and it's tough because, you know, people feel like I've suffered enough, but there is a bit of responsibility to understand how phrases like that might be received. And I think Mm -hmm. the way you're responding to it is, is not uncommon, right? The idea of like, it almost feels like somebody's telling you, you don't understand what it is to suffer. You've never suffered in your life. You know, none of your ancestors have ever ever suffered and it becomes combative right off the bat. It becomes very much Mm -hmm. a competition of like, well, you don't understand, but I do. And mine suffered more and you didn't. And again, I don't think anybody's, well, some people might be, but I don't think most people are doing that intentionally to try and cause problems. I think it's just the way in which we speak and, and emotions get involved and perspectives get involved. And in some ways it feels justified. So I think you're right. I think as, as you're explaining it, when you say it in that way of if people are talking in that way, that's not productive. I, I think that is true. Um, when you when you get into the, you know, we're talking about human nature and, and the emotional aspect of responding to tangible questions. Yep. This all goes back to a failure, and and I'm using that word specifically because I think it is a there is a failure there, of our education system to hone and and instill those critical thinking skills at every level through the education process, and and you know the 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 common line, and I believe in it is don't teach the children what to think, teach them how to think. Yeah. When you when you teach a child to think critically about any issue, whether it's race, whether it's politics, um, any societal hot button, when you teach them to think critically, you're teaching them to listen. You're teaching them to choose their words properly, because if you if you understand the power of words, you understand that selecting the words to use will avoid some of the pitfalls that we just went over. Mm. You know, uh, so there's a there is a deficiency in our education system because it is we want you your cookie cutter. You're coming out. You have been taught all of this. Move on. We need to get back to teaching critical thinking skills so people can have the freedom to think as individuals and at the same time relate to the people who are around them. And we're failing. We're failing at that. And I think it's where a lot of the societal maladies come from. Well, that's that's a, a lot you put in there that I think is good for us to to dive into. So I'll say this. I, I'll say firstly, I totally agree on the critical thinking point. I think that's unbelievably important. I think defining what that is and how we do it is something we should discuss and maybe even try out in, in a moment. I, I do think it's worth acknowledging, though, that a couple of things. You know, the, the idea that, and again, this is me exploring with you, the idea that historically, that the idea that we need to get back to teaching more critical thinking, I, I would make an argument, and I could certainly be wrong, that I don't know that we've ever really done it effectively. And perhaps we can even use the topic we were just talking about to illustrate that, perhaps, but obviously disagree if you feel that way. But I could see a, an argument that says we need to go back to teaching critical thinking. Well, like when? Like in the in the 20s, in the 1800s, into this, like arguably, if we ever taught critical thinking the way we should have, right, the way you're articulating the way we should, you can make an argument that people should have realized much earlier with far less violence and suffering that 
again, I'll just stick with the com- the topic we're on, you know, racism, slavery, or even just, you know, civil rights issues and injustices that were done, that that should have been cleaned up a long time ago if we actually learned to critically think the way you said. So I don't necessarily see it as this generation's issue that we've lost no. our ability to think critically. I think it's been a problem for a long time and it's been a challenge for us. And I'll say like, let's let's test ourselves on that a little bit. Let's let's because I think you're right. Critically thinking is the key. So if we try and think critically about this divide and this issue that we're talking about, and and if there's a better topic, we can certainly switch to it. But like, I think part of critical thinking is challenging yourself. And mm-hmm. I think you'd agree. I think that's the way you've been saying it. It's it's challenging yourself and making sure that you're thinking of it as as objectively as you can. You're looking at the different perspectives and that, you know, maybe your biases or something's coming through. Um, as As we think about which we were talking about before with, with race and how other, you know, Irish, Italians, others came in and didn't have that issue, at least that we see with some black people. What's, as we think about that critically, like, why do you think there is that difference that you illustrate, right? To, to the extent that let's just stick with Irish, like Irish came here, they were mistreated as well, but it's not the same as we see today with black people. What is the best sense of that? As we try and make sense of that, of like, is it that they're better? Is it that they were just able to endure better? I know obviously the conditions weren't the same and you acknowledge that and that accounts for some of it. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to make that argument and say that there's other people that have been mistreated and they're not you know, reacting the same way, I think it's reasonable for us to think critically about like, hey, what happened there? Why? Because maybe the truth is they are, they did handle it better in some way and there's something to be learned from it. Or maybe the truth is it's different and we shouldn't be comparing it. It's apples and oranges. How do you think about that? Like, why do you think the 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 course of events for Irish immigrants versus Africans that came over was so different? Well, I, and and by all means, this isn't the the singular answer to that question because that's I'm not sure there's going to be a uh, an all encompassing one off answer yeah. to that question ever. But I don't believe that the the political opportunists who looked at how to how to capitalize off of a racial divide in this country, I, I believe they have a large part to play in this. When, you know, just going back to Machiavelli, when you're talking about dividing and conquer and Sun Tzu as well, all the masters of confrontation have, have pointed this out. If you can divide, then you can conquer. Hmm. And, and I believe that when you started seeing um, the civil rights movement, especially now, it went earlier than that, but I'm going to focus right around the civil rights because that's when the most dynamic change happened. You saw politicians saying, you know what? If I say the right things and I show up at the right places saying those right things, I can get votes. And that morphed into, if I can just pass this bill to make a preferred status for someone that I'm that I'm telling is aggrieved, then that's more votes for me. I, I think the political opportunism in our climate today had a ton to do with the with the difference in the way the, the, the oppression was overcome from the Italians and the Irish and the Czechs and everybody else and, and our black community. I, I really do. Um, some people call them race baiters. It could be an accurate term. I find it to be a little harsh. But there are people who capitalize off maintaining that divide, whether it's politically, monetarily, or or by way of status. Hmm. I, I don't think the media helps it either, although I, you know, I think the media today is probably the worst it's ever been since Adams and Jefferson. It's it's completely irresponsible. So they not only need to sell things, but now they're in the narrative procreation um, business. So they somewhat control what the subject is that we're all concerned about. And, uh, you know, it comes back to that one comment. These are mostly peaceful riots behind me. Nothing's peaceful about a block burning to the ground. That, that, that was a false statement, was a false narrative, and they insisted it was the truth. So people who want to manipulate or, or label or facilitate the idea of victimhood rather than let's, let's figure, you know, let's figure out how to get you right here and equal opportunity for all. And I'm not going to look at the color of your skin, you know, love your brother. Let's go. You know, those two don't meet in the middle. 
opportunism and and wanting to move beyond beyond the racial issue they don't mesh it's oil and water i can i can tell you for a fact where i grew up outside of chicago that in the 70s moving into the 80s there was no issue i had black friends i had indian friends i had white friends that there was no issue we weren't looking at race anymore because we were taught coming up through grade school junior high school and high school that you judge a person on the content of their character and their actions rather than their appearance and the color of their skin and for whatever reason you hit the mid 2000s and we knee jerked away from that that wholesome idea back to let's reopen the scab so we can talk about how things are unfair do you do you think frank well so i'll say i agree on the politicians the media i think it goes back to that human nature point that all humans have their flaws and their issues so i'm not i i i think that's definitely a part of this story without a doubt what i want to hone in though is on the idea that you know back when you grew up outside chicago late 70s 80s you know i i think the term you use and i don't say this as like a it's what I said in the beginning. I, I want to get to an understanding. If what you see and the way you see it is better than the way I see it, I want to see it that way too. But the only way we mm -hmm. can do that is to test it, right? So when you say, for a fact, I can say that there were no issues then, right? You had black friends, Indian friends, et cetera. Do you not worry in that statement, in that mindset, like back to the critical thinking point, how, how could you say that, right? First of all, the, the term fact, and I'm not nitpicking words, but like we can't say for sure. You only know your surroundings, your experience, right? There could have been other areas where there was an issue, but let's even go beyond that. Do you not worry that it's possible that even though you felt like it was fine and everything was good, there were other people, maybe not that you knew directly, maybe that you did, that weren't having that same experience, that they, they there was still a lot of bad things happening in the 70s, 70s and the 80s. But from your perspective, it seemed like it wasn't a problem. Now, again, we, we should talk about it and figure it out. But if there is any truth to that, to me, it seems understandable why some people would be like, see, this is the problem. This is why nobody gets it. Like they, there wants to be this belief that there were no issues, then everything was fine. And now's the issue, but there was plenty of issues then. And from your side, fair to you, like you just didn't see it. You didn't know. So like, that's where some of that divide comes from. How do you think about that? Like, how do you have the confidence to say that there was no issues at that time? When you grew up? The, the, the stains of those who haven't evolved to thinking beyond skin color shouldn't bleed over onto the people who have arrived there. Mm. Okay. So were there problems in, in inner city Chicago? You bet. There, there's still problems today, and some of them are even worse than they were back in the 70s and the 80s. But if it can be done, and it was in the in in the community that I was, and I was living a semi-public life, so I did a lot of travels both in the city and around the city, out of state, from country to country, and over in Europe. It was being achieved. You know, it was my experience that it was being achieved in, in multiple areas in a diverse demographic of people. So if it can be achieved, if, we've, if we go into a scientific mindset about it, we're doing the test, you know, we're doing the experiment, it achieved the goal that we thought. We replicate it, replicate it, replicate it, and we arrive at the same goal, same goal, same goal. Now we have a process that we know is tried and true. So do we? hobble the six the people who've arrived there saying we're just not we don't see skin color we're not we're not, we've we've moved beyond that do we get dragged back because of the people who are the lowest common denominator when it comes to being able to achieve that goal are they willing to listen are they honest enough to say how did you get to where you are i don't want that strife in my neighborhood how did you get to where you are because we want to we want to be able to have that kind of harmony. We never hear that. We hear they're still bad, they're still evil, they're still racist and 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 they need to change, they need to do this. How do you how do you go to where a successful societal evolution has happened in in that ideological vein and say it worked here. What did they do? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's I think that's interesting. I mean, I think you're right in that 
we're trying to get to a better outcome, right? We're trying to reduce suffering with people. We're trying to freedom to where you started with the value. We're trying to absolutely get more of that. That's that's the outcome we're all after. And I think in the way that you're positioning it, just to play it back to you a little bit, there's it's almost um so so somebody would say, well, why, why, right? If they, if it was working to your question, like why why didn't it keep working? I think what you're saying is at least a big part of it isn't necessarily that individual people or black people in general, or you know, obviously we could talk about other groups in this, but mm-hmm. that they were just trying to cause trouble or just being, you know, liars or whatever it might be being dramatic. There was somewhat of like a, a, a political media gain to be had of kind of riling that up and getting people perhaps to divide us, as you said before. So I think it's an interesting thread to follow to say like, okay, let's, let's assume we're going to simplify it a little bit that there's, there's two possible reasons for what you're explaining happened, right? Where maybe we started to get better in the seventies and eighties, we started to move past skin color and then we seem to revert backwards to where we are today. Somebody can say like, well, either it is one that that um, the, the media companies, politicians, whatever it is, saw an opportunity and they created it, right? That's one possible scenario. The other scenario is, and it could be both, but is that there was still some truth to it. Like people were still talking about race and, and complaining and demanding change because there were still problems. And let's assume like either of those could be true. I guess the question becomes, what's the what's the right, quote unquote, right response to maintain and get to all the things we've been talking about? in those two situations. Like what I worry about is that the response that we're taking as a country is kind of, is is not good in either case, because if we are being divided intentionally, we seem to be playing into that and kind of <laughs> arguing with the other side and it does become combative and it becomes more of a divide, right? So if that's happening, that doesn't seem to be working. If it's the other scenario where there still were some problems we had to walk work through and issues to fix, that doesn't seem like we're handling right either because we're kind of being somewhat dismissive and being like, no, there's, you're wrong. We're right. Right. It's not, so it doesn't seem like the way we're handling it is right. No matter what the reason of it is. How do you think about that? Like, what is the, if, if, if given what we're saying here is true, what is the right way to address it? How do we fix it? Cause right now it just seems there's a lot of people yelling at each other and that's not, wouldn't seem to obviously be the solution. No, I don't, I don't think I would use the word fix, Okay, but I think I would, I would use the idea of how do we make it better? Okay. How do, how do we, how do we keep, keep on forming that more perfect union because we're never going to reach perfection. There's just no way it will even on any subject. So if we're, you know, we're using race as an example for this conversation. So um, we're not going to get to a point where there isn't somebody who's a bigot. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. We accept that. We understand the premise that maybe 0.101% and in the best that we can ever reach, maybe in 2095 will be, 0.001% of the population is is racist or bigoted. But just like politics, it's all about the individual and and how it and how you do it locally. They always say politics is local. If you if you, you know, it's it's trickle up. Yeah. When you, if you could affect your politics locally, that affects everything going up all the way to the federal level. Societally, it's got to be about the individual, and that's the beauty of the individualism that is Americanism and the freedom we're supposed to have. You and I are having this conversation here. Imagine if everybody had conversations like that once in a while. It'd be nice. Well, and that's the point. As, as individuals, you know, you don't necessarily know a lot about my background. I don't know necessarily about yours, but we're looking at a hot button topic. We're exploring it. We're learning different ways people look at it. And that knowledge allows us to speak more intelligently, not only to that person, but to the next person that we talk about it with. So individualism is a key to making the situation better, but that involves a certain personal responsibility to take the initiative. If if you're walking into a conversation like this saying, everything I know is correct and I'll try to get you to see my way, but I don't know if I'm going to achieve that, then you've already failed. You know, you have to be willing to, to admit and to, Accept that whoever you're talking to will probably bring something to the table that can make your thought presses, process richer for that experience and that issue. So when you have a centralized government or, or centralized activists telling you, you will think this way, or if you think that way, you are wrong or you are bad, 
if you if you think the way we do, you are good. If you don't think the way we do, then you are bad. That's useless. That's where that's where divide is solidified. But if you're willing to get away from that centralized thing and talk to the people around you, pretty soon that circle grows and grows and grows and grows, just like politics is all grassroots. And all of a sudden, your community was, you know, not to not to sound egotistical, but it was like my experience back in the seventies and the eighties. The people that I that I was around in my everyday life refused to look at that divide. They said, you know, don't care what your skin color is, you're you're, you're a good guy, or I don't care what your skin color is, you're kind of an idiot. You know, your action your actions just what did you do? You just set your hair on fire. Why'd you do that? <laughs> You know, so, but it's action and, and character. So when you, when you start fomenting that kind of a thing individually to all the people around you, it grows, it grows like, you know, all of a sudden the whole country is covered in it. And now you're, you're getting closer to achieving that 0.001% in 2090. Do you, do you think to, to your approach to it? Right. And, and, and I don't mean to, to oversimplify it, obviously, because you've, you've been doing this for a long time. I know you just wrote a book, obviously um, mentioned that in the intro, obviously there's a lot of different podcast things you do and media you've been involved in. So, so to try and simplify it down to say, this is your approach would be ignorant and, and arrogant. And <laughs> but, um, in general, like somebody could look at your approach and say, it, it is combative though. It is, it is battling the other side. It is, um, I don't know if antagonizing is the right word, but it's certainly combative, right? E even as we're having this discussion, it's not a combative discussion at all. But in terms of discussing the ideas, it's there's somewhat of a defensive stance of like, well, let me explain why maybe slavery didn't have the impact we thought it did. I know you didn't say those exact words, so I apologize. Yeah. But just the yeah. idea that, you know, Irish were impacted a certain way. There's a, there's a combativeness to it. There's a battle sense to it. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily illogical or irrational or, or even necessarily wrong. But back to where we were and kind of what you were just saying, is that the best approach, right? Like, is there a better approach that says, even if I fundamentally disagree with what these activists are doing or the politicians are doing or the media companies doing, and I think the way they're looking at it is wrong and all those things, is there a better approach that would get you to the same outcome versus this approach? Um, and as always, I'll say it, even though hopefully I don't have to anymore, I'm not suggesting there is or isn't. I'm, I'm just genuinely yeah. curious how you think about it. I, to be honest, I don't see where our government or our societal leaders, and especially our activist leaders, have led us to a very good point at this point in time. So saying, okay, we're going to absolve the individual of taking this conversation into their own hands because we don't want to be combative, that neuters the most, the most potent tool we have for resolution. You know, when you go into a conversation with somebody, is there on anything, there's always going to be two sides to a thought process. Mm -hmm. If all you're talking to is people who agree with you, then you're in an echo chamber and nothing gets accomplished. Mm -hmm. It's how you go about that conversation. You know, if you have two ingenuous players in that conversation who truly want to have it, good things can come out of it. But you have to be honest enough to know that you don't know everything, that you that you're willing to listen, that you're willing to explore, and that comes with a higher a, a higher level of intellect that is arrived at through being taught critical thinking skills. I would come back full circle. Yeah. You know, you have to understand the power of words, and you have to know where you want to arrive at. If you're ever going to do a conversation. Because you want to arrive at a place where both people are understood on a critical issue like like racism, so that you're understood, you you still have to have enough skin in the game to say, and I also want to make sure that I understand you. That's where the growth comes from. I don't think you're going to avoid confrontation, but if somebody is going to turn that intellectual confrontation into something that is that is uh, violent or or indignant, then they weren't ready for that conversation. So the person who's in the lead there has to understand the level at which they can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think, cause it, what I, what I hear from that is like, I often think of it like there's, there's combativeness or confrontation. 
and there's curiosity and they're not necessarily mm -hmm. necessarily mutually exclusive but i think you're absolutely right that people should go into a conversation and and be genuinely curious and say i have a perspective i have a point of view i have a thesis i have a hypothesis whatever the other person likely has one let's let's match these up against each other and see where it goes. And to do that, you can't just agree all the time and you can't just disagree all the time. You right. have to genuinely be curious and kind of work through it and see where it goes. And there's a way that, to do that. Com combative, I would say, or confrontational, whatever, it can still achieve that goal, but it, it's almost like it tweaks the objective a little bit where it's like, I'm more trying to win than I am trying to to learn or get to the, the better outcome. And I just wonder, and again, I, we all do this and I get it, but like some of the rhetoric some of the, the, you know, the insults that we see in, in, in the culture today and, and people from both sides, left, right. And I'm, I'm sure you've been a part of it to some extent, having a podcast and things. Mm -hmm. Is that beneficial? Is that an opportunity for us all to look at ourselves as individuals and hold ourselves accountable, use some critical thinking and say, yeah, the easy thing would be to insult that person because I think they're morons or I think their logic is off or I don't think they're seeing it right or I think they're putting the country in danger. But I could still challenge them, be curious, do all these things that you just said without the combativeness, without feeling like it's us versus them, without having to to put out insults or put somebody down or something like that. Is that something that we all have a responsibility that we should be doing more of, you think? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when I when I first started out on on my public career, uh, one of the things that all of my publishers said about my writing was that I didn't name call. And I and I refused to do that because that automatically puts the other side on defense. You mm -hmm. you learn nothing. The door is shut, it's locked, it's closed. If I call my political opponent a moron or an idiot or or you know any number of different things, um, that solidifies the stance and you have painted yourself. You haven't painted your opponent. You've painted yourself. You've pigeonholed yourself with how you can look at someone's political performance uh, you know, to agree or disagree. If, you, if you've called the person an idiot and a moron, and now you're praising him because of a tax stance, well, that again, that paints you. It doesn't paint your political opponent. Mm. So, you, you, you know, name calling and, and degradation never seems to work. It's like, think, think back to, to a parent and a, and a young child. Don't touch the hot stove. Now, the parent gives the child a command. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, the kid keeps getting more curious about why until touches a stove, burns himself. But if the parent says, don't touch that, it's very hot. If you touch it, you're going to burn yourself and it's going to hurt. W which one gives yeah. gets a better outcome? It's the discussion. It is, it is the expansion on the idea that gets the better. Even though the, the parent is saying you can't and, and is giving a command to the child, it makes more sense to the person who's listening when you offer more information. And when we turn into adults, that's what the dialogue affords us. Mm. Yeah. All right. Last question. And and maybe, well, to respond to how you see fit. So I, everything, how do I reconcile everything I'm hearing you say right now with, uh, and maybe, maybe it's maybe, and I'm, I'm not offended by it by any means. I'm trying, I'm curious. I'm trying to get to the truth. Maybe I'm too sensitive, but as I do hear or read some of your stuff, there does appear to be some name calling in that, some insults in that, right? And and well, let me just leave it at that. Let me not caveat anymore. Like, how do I reconcile that? Is it me? Am I being too sensitive? Am I reading it and seeing it wrong? Is that just part of language and how we speak? Or is there like a, a disconnect here between what you're saying now and what is in some of the content? No, I think when when you're trying to get an idea across to to a reader if you're only talking to your echo chamber then you're you're doing nothing you're spinning your wheels so you have to use the vernacular that is popular hmm. to be able to relate with people who are maybe not of of your thought process on any given issue so that uh, there's something that's relatable there so that they can consume for the larger point you know it's uh it's a delicate dance yeah and not everybody, you know, I, not even myself, I don't, even achieve, I, I don't even achieve it every time. But again, this goes back to forming a more perfect union. If everybody's always striving to be just a little bit better and we're striving to make society a little bit better and we're striving to push government to be a little bit better and, you know, ourselves, our communities, our friends, our neighbors, our family, if, if we're always doing that in a, in a spirit of ingenuousness, then we're going to end up in a better place generationally, generation after generation after generation. 
Yeah. And I think I think when we hit a a victimhood kind of mentality, or at least a, a, a sympathy for a victimhood mentality coming out of the out of the nineties into the two thousands, that was not a good thing. You know, it's it's one thing to recognize someone being aggrieved, but it's another thing to to nurture that. We should all work to try to get beyond the bad thing to to decrease the bad thing to move away from that kind of a thing. You know, and I keep going back to race, and I, I was the race wasn't wasn't by a by by desired topic to be talking <laughs> about, but, it, there, but yeah. yeah, but it worked. It worked for for the purpose. Um, you know. I, I would rather see community after community after community arrive at the moment in time where they themselves intrinsically just don't see skin color and see people. But it takes it takes people to dedicate themselves to want to go there. And victimhood doesn't facilitate that. Yeah. Well, I well, first thing let me say, Frank, as we come towards the end, I I appreciate the conversation a ton. Um, I think if nothing else, it's an illustration of two people just having a conversation, being curious, exploring, trying to understand, which is which is what I'm all about. So I appreciate it a ton. I think even that last piece, as you said, it's a delicate dance, it's a balance that none of us get right. It's a good illustration of how complicated this thing is and why it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for us to 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 get it right, to see it. Um, and as to where you started, you know, we're not necessarily started, but the critical thinking point, uh, to me, that's a big highlight of this. I think throughout all of this, us individually, people listening, people that will never listen, but just in general, um, the ability to think critically, the ability to really understand our thoughts, our actions, the implications of them, where our biases might be, where our blind spots might be, as, as you're articulating is so important. And I know for me, like, as I go back and listen to these conversations, that's one of the things I always look for. So I hope we do get more of that um, for all of us frankly. Um, and I appreciate you, Frank. I appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Be, be kind, be, be genuine, be curious and, and, you know, just be, be truthful and, and we'll end up being in a better place. And mm -hmm. I, I appreciate the opportunity today and, uh, and, uh, continued success. Yeah. You as well. You as well. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Hey, thanks a ton for listening to the episode. Um, I really do appreciate everybody that listens. And I think it's super cool that people want to hear conversations like this. They want to hear us talk about values and different perspectives and really just philosophical thinking. Um, I'm kind of on this mission or journey to bring philosophy back to the forefront, maybe even make philosophy cool again, because I just think there's so much value in thinking about our thinking, questioning and challenging ourselves more, pondering these big picture questions about life. Um, so in that spirit, I'm trying to expand that mission a little bit, and I created a Patreon account um, that would be awesome if you check out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's pretty simple, though. It's patreon.com slash what's the value. And the idea is for people that maybe want to learn more about philosophy, their tone out a little bit or maybe you already love it and just want to get more of it um check it out because there's kind of a tier for everybody whether you just want to get like a quick philosophical video or a thought of the day um, maybe you want to email or text me some questions and get some thoughtful philosophical responses or if you want to have a live one-on-one -on -one chat over zoom um, we're even doing group discussions where we kind of do group philosophical debates and discussions and ponder some of those big questions. So check it out, see if it's something you might be interested in. Uh, as I said, I just love to bring more philosophy into our lives. And I thought this might be a cool way to do it. Um, whether that's your thing or not, and you're into Patreon or not, I really do appreciate a ton that you listen and check out these episodes. So I appreciate it greatly. And I hope you have an awesome day.